0: Okay, hi everybody, I'm David Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. Um, you might look behind us and think, what is happening? And I'm gonna tell you for free. So what's happening is we are actually downtown in Salt Lake City at the flagship Desert Bookstore.
1: We wish you could show, we wish we could show you everybody who's here, because we're about to have so much fun. But everybody just cheer. That's fun. <laughs>
0: Wave. Like, we, can't... That? Exactly. That so <laughs> we can't turn the camera around or it'll break and it's all taped down and everything. So um if you hear this on the podcast, a little bit echoey, sorry, this is the only week and just I love you. Um, so but that's why it's a little bit different and the board is a little bit different. We don't even have to get out of the way for you to see it because what are you gonna see? Nothing. But we still tried to set up a little janky um
1: Chalkboard set up, Mm
0: -hmm. which is great. It was worth the $12 of buying those chalkboards. (laughs) Uh, We're going to auction them off, actually, uh, in the comments. Whoever leaves the happiest comment, I'm just kidding. You actually will. They actually will. (laughs) I'm not. You are. I'm going to give them where to buy them. Okay. You're going
1: to hang them up in your kitchen. Yeah. Jenny, we don't know where she is. Yeah, Jenny's
0: here. Should we bring her on camera? Okay. she can't make it here. Okay, (laughs) she's shopping at City Creek right now. So really we're going to auction those off to pay for whatever Jenny is buying right now at City Creek.
1: Uh, Should we do housekeeping? Okay. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, So here are things you need to know everybody. We are trying so hard to get journals in the stores. Like we are trying so hard. We still don't have our journals yet, but we are trying to get the journals to you as fast as we can. Currently the fastest way to get them is still order them online which is crazy but true in fact my daughter-in-law just said to me yesterday should i just go online and order my journal and i was like maybe
0: yeah i think jenny may have ordered ours also online it's okay Uh, or you yeah because we see some on the shelf right here but that is not going to happen for very long so really that might be the best way sorry and for those of you who were looking for the digital one and it had like all the marks or crazy things on it Um, That got fixed. Thanks to
1: Brooke, our cute designer who we love so much, has fixed those. So if you ordered a digital and it had crop marks on it, they're sending you a new one. So that's so Hallelujah. Yeah, we're so happy about that.
0: Okay, is that it? No.
1: No? Yes. That's not it. That's it. That's That's it. it. That's all.
0: Okay, ready for Nephi? Okay, here we go. Today we are first... Oh, here's the paper right here. I'm used to it being right behind me and it's not. Okay, it's right here. We're doing 1st Nephi 16 to 22. Today, um, this is fantastic. We're obviously only going to do parts of it, but this is like a um, this is a journey section, and and we're going to do just the first part of the journey. You wish we would do the ship part, like riding the ship. We'll do building the ship, but riding the ship would be fun because all yeah, that I dancing am. happens and stuff like yes. that. So that could be fun to act out. Don't
1: miss that. Part.
0: Um, <laughs> don't miss that. Okay, so. Um, we but, should
1: not let him talk in front of a crowd. I'm just going to apologize <laughs> right now to all of you. We don't know what is about to happen.
0: I'm acting natural. <laughs> um, so what we both teach, right? So I teach Institute, taught seminary, Annie, um, I, Annie? You sudden became Annie. <laughs> Emily. I love that name. Okay. Annie or Emily teaches Seminary Institute, and you just have to know one of the curses of, I don't know whether to look at the camera or y'all, this is weird, okay. One of the curses of being a, a seminary or a teacher, some of y'all know this, is you find analogies everywhere you go. And your kids hate it um, because they're like, "Dad." That movie was about a princess who could freeze things. It was not about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was like, I know, but I found so many analogies. So the drive home from movies is always like, you guys, did you see all those lessons, you know? Like everywhere I go, everywhere we go, you see a gospel analogy, an object lesson that you are ready to use, like it, and it's just a curse, it's a, or, or a blessing, but mostly a curse, I think, yeah, it's I It's so know.
1: true, we were in Lake Powell several years ago, and um, have any of you been to Lake Powell and gone through one of those slot canyons, which is where the cliffs split in half and slid out, and then there's dirt and you can walk in there? And um, I had never been in one. And all the kids wanted to go in one, and none of the adults wanted to go. So I went with like 15 kids. We swam from the houseboat, climbed up the rocks, got in the canyon, walked all the way to the end. They're really awesome and a little bit scarier if you're a worrier, which I totally am one, because I kept thinking, when's, the, when's this cliff gonna fall the rest of the way off? Do you ever think that when you're in a slot canyon? It could happen at any moment, it could. And nope. we got to the end and I looked back, and if you've never been in one, the walls are like, go so high and straight. I mean, they're pure straight because it the cliff just shaved off. And I gathered all the kids around me, because I was like, this is like an unforgettable, lesson and I said to them whenever you read about the straight and narrow in the scriptures the straight and narrow path I want you to think about this path we're gonna get a picture of the path all of us together in the path and then you will remember it for the rest of your life and this kid looked at me and he says this is all you ever think about is church. <laughs> I was having this profound moment, and the kids were like, should we go back and water ski? Yes.
0: But when you water ski, like if you really put your skis, you know, parallel with the Lord, you can walk on water. It's just everywhere. So then, I felt really good about myself when I was reading um, First Nephi I realized that the Lord really likes object lessons too. So I was like, okay, He's got the curse. Um, and one of the object lessons He teaches the this little family that's left Jerusalem is about um, following the Holy Spirit in their lives. And He brings them the Leahona, and it really acts like a object lesson to them. Uh, several like people throughout the Book of Mormon. Um, I don't know what happens to Leahona. It must get passed on. From people to people because it gets buried. Moroni ends up with it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Who had it? Anyways, it gets passed on. and um, Moroni but must
1: have. Yeah, because he buried. It. Got passed on with yeah,
0: with the sword in the plates.
1: You guys don't quote us on that in gospel doctrine because we get emails when we don't I'm, say things. Okay, if it's
0: wrong, done. sorry. And Moroni wrote the title page. Okay.
1: <laughs> and Mormon.
0: Yeah, and Mormon <laughs> together. <laughs> um, we don't. So, know. yeah. So, um, one day they wake up, you remember. And there's so many cool lessons that you could do with the Liahona. If you think about it as an object lesson of following the spirit in your life. It's just think that as you read it. But one day they wake up in the no, morning. No, don't tell
1: this part yet because I want to give these two quotes because they're so awesome. Okay.
0: First, before I tell you about they woke up in the morning,
1: we're going to get that two off, quotes. everybody. But the Liahona is just
0: going to be on the porch in the morning. That's it. Can I say that?
1: And you're not going to say what's going on the paper? Nope. Okay. I'm just going to say
0: that God invented Amazon Prime, okay. <laughs> and it was on the porch when they woke up. So Amazon thinks they're clever, but this has been around for 2,600 years.
1: Listen, I'm just going to say it is a good thing we only have a live crowd once a year. <laughs> now all of a sudden Amazon Prime got in the Book of Mormon.
0: We want Amazon Prime to sponsor this is what we want to have. <laughs> And maybe our chalkboards could have been better. Okay, please
1: talk about the Leohona showing up on the doorstep.
0: OK, that's it. It's on the doorstep. <laughs> the end. They found it.
1: OK, There. remember we talked to you about this book that we love so much, and the reason why I love it is because it has little teeny tiny snippets. It gives you, they're just great quotes from all the people in the world, because who has time to look up all the great quotes from all the people in the world? But two really awesome things about the Leohona that I love And this one is from Hugh Nibley. And he said this, first, the liahona was a gift from God. Second, it was neither mechanical nor self-operating, which is so interesting because we're like, well, then they just had that liahona and it works like the eight ball thing. What's that?
0: The eight ball thing. Um,
1: Yeah. uh, Right? It just had a working mind of its own. We sometimes forget the ball really was not the important thing. And I love that Hugh Nibley points that out. It was not a mechanism but worked solely by the power of God and solely according to their faith. It wasn't magic. A magic thing would work by itself. Don't you love that thought, just as you're thinking about the Liahona? Third, it only worked in response to faith, diligence, and the heed of those who followed it. And then this is my favorite thing he points out. Fourth, there was something ordinary and Familiar about it. And what I love about this is the Lord will use what is ordinary and familiar to us to teach us So let me give you a, an example When Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, Sometimes we talk about the fact that he used a searstone stone in order to help him with that translation Why? Well, Hugh Nibley would suggest because it was ordinary and familiar It was something that he knew the workings of it. That's what the liahona became for these people and the Lord will do the same for us. He will go to the ordinary and familiar things we are used to and use that to help us learn how to work with the Spirit. Um, For me, something that would be similar to that, and I wonder if you have something, is music. Music for me is something that just immediately opens and prepares my heart to be ready to listen to the Spirit. It's something ordinary and familiar. But it works for me.
0: Yeah, and I think what's interesting about that in like all three of these examples, Joseph's, um, Lehi's family, yours, is you might be tempted to say, um, Lehi's family might be tempted to say the Leahona got us to the promised land or the boat got us to the promised land. Or, or it was the seer stone that translated the Book of Mormon or its music. But it really is God in all of those things. Right? Um, that's what's so neat about it not working mechanically is it, it teaches them God is the one who's getting you to the promised land via some of these tools. Like someone might say, man, that song got me through the hardest time of my life. Or those verses got me through such a tough thing. And it's like, oh, no, that was God's instrument. It was he is the one who got you through those, through those things. So I, I love that, you know, yeah, that for him to say that, because it's like, oh, it puts the focus. It was God teaching them. This is how I lead you. you Elder Bednar kind
1: use. of explains that for us. Um, he says,
0: copycat, he copies <laughs> me. I'm just playing games, erase that. <laughs> Sorry, and Elder Bednar. I'm just
1: <laughs> As we study and ponder the purposes of the Liahona and the principles by which it operated, I testify that we will receive inspiration suited to our individual and family circumstances and needs. We can and will be blessed with ongoing direction From the Holy Ghost. And I love that, that what he's saying is um, God will use whatever means he can to interact with us to help make the process easier. We know the scriptures tell us um, the Holy Ghost speaks to us in our own language, whatever that is for each of us. Um, But at the end of the day, it is God working through the Holy Ghost that moves us into the places we need to go, which will take us to that next really yeah. awesome so one. Of
0: these, one of our favorite lessons, so on the study guide sheet we put like some of the verses about the Liahona and you can look at those and kind of discuss and come up with your own like, oh, how is this like um, the spirit leading me in my life? But one of our favorite ones comes from 1 Nephi 16, 16.
1: That's so, um, I know, it's That's nice. so easy to remember, 1 <laughs> Nephi 16, 16. Um,
0: and it says this, we did follow the directions of the ball which led us to the more fertile parts of the wilderness. And, and that's nice if you just read it, but if you think about it in, um, in context of, oh, this is kind of like the, the spirit leads us into the more fertile parts of the wilderness. And, and it's fun to look at some maps of, of that area, the Arabian Peninsula, because within that peninsula, there are these spots that if you didn't know better, you would think were Hawaii. Um, uh, There are these little oases, (laughs) oases, whatever, um, that are in there and it was the Liahona led them to those more fertile places. Um, What I love about this is I actually shared this verse with a friend of mine once who was going through kind of a, a rough patch with her husband battling cancer and it's and I said and she said you said to me once that the Spirit would lead me to the more fertile places and I said well make sure you look and see that it says the more fertile places of the wilderness their family was still in the wilderness, um, but it led them to these to these oases in their wilderness journeys. And it would be neat to just kind of think about uh, where's the spirit, where are the fertile places that the spirit has led me in my wilderness journey?
1: Yeah, I love that idea. And just taking the time to write some of those down, because sometimes God doesn't take away the wilderness. We know that's true, we see that um, all through scripture but the importance of remembering us that he does lead us. Um, also in that um, book I was just using, there's a really neat part that it tells, um, they go to, is it Shazar? I'm making that up right now because I'm in front of me, but the word, that, um, the place they go that starts with an SH, and he tells us that the um, definition of that word would be the trees, and so it, he's telling you right there in the scriptures and then he led us to the trees. And if there was trees, what do we know there was? Water. Right? That he he's like shade.
0: Yeah. I really didn't think shade. I was like, oh
1: shade. Okay. And water. No. That was necessary. Um but he's gonna lead you to the places that you're in your wilderness places to places that have what you need to sustain you through that time, which I just think is a beautiful principle as we're going through.
0: Yeah, and you look at this, we just kind of zeroed in on the Liahona a little bit, but let's remember every time there's a journey in the scriptures, there is so much to learn about a life journey. And, and these chapters 16 through 22 really are kind of like the journeying part of this family. And you love watching that it is rough, that they stumble through it, they complain through it, they learn through it. It's like, this is life, man. This is like, there's so many neat things to learn. Like this is a a journey experience and we're all on one. We're on a journey to the promised land.
1: Which is so nice because so often we get to church and we hear people get up in testimony meeting and they want to talk about the answer or the promise or the miracle. Do you notice we don't normally talk about our wilderness experiences until they are over? And then we're like, and then let me tell you what happened, and this is how it all worked out. And what happens if you're in the middle of the journey? What if you're in the middle moment? One of my favorite places to go in Scripture when I am in a middle moment is to go into these wilderness journeys, whether it's Moses or whether it's Nephi or it's the brother of Jared. Don't read the end. Don't read when they got to the promised land. Read in the middle and figure out how they got through. And we want to point out one of those places for you. If you want to see what it looks like to learn something from the middle of somebody's experience, this is a really great place to go. Um, We're going to talk for a minute about the difference between magnifying and minimizing trials and what that looks like. Oh, good job! We have a, a magic chalkboard; it's gonna move. Um, so we're gonna be in First Nephi, um, 16, and who are you doing? Nephi or Laman and Lemuel? Nephi. Okay, go ahead.
0: Oh, you want me to go first, or do you want to do them first? You want me
1: to do them? Yeah, first? do them okay. first. Okay. So we're gonna watch Nephi and Laman and Lemuel through the midst of this wilderness experience,
0: and just know when we talk about them, like we know that nobody is like either good or evil. Sometimes we almost make them like caricatures, you know, like cartoon characters, like you're totally bad and you're totally good. And I, and I think it's really important to realize that everybody's just gray, you know? Like everybody like wakes up some morning magnifying their trials and they wake up the next morning minimizing them. Like that is just, it's really easy to be like, oh, Laman and Lemuel are always like this, and, and Nephi is always like this. I think those new Book of Mormon videos do a really good job yes, of showing Laman and Lemuel as like real life people, where you're all of a sudden like, oh, I feel you, like I'm, I'm with you. But those <laughs> yes. videos still make Nephi look like the perfect child. Yes. Which he probably wasn't always. He, well, he, he wrote the book. That's why he's the perfect child in the book. <laughs> it's because he's the one who actually wrote it. But you I'm not to and tell so about like... that day. I'm just leaving that day out. <laughs> so,
1: um, so we're gonna watch as they go through and what happens is um, we were in verse 16 We followed the directions of the ball the more fertile parts and then in verse 18 We get to the part where Nephi breaks his bow Which is a crucial moment because now how are they going to be able to get the food? They need for all of those people And this is going to be a major trial in the journey. That's what's going to happen right now, is there's going to be this trial that happens. And we want to watch the response of Laman and Lemuel in the trial and the response of Nephi in the trial. And so as you're reading in 18 through 20, what you want to watch for are what are the descriptive words? What does it look like? in that moment to go through that trial. And here are some standout words you might notice in verse 18, my brethren were angry. Um, And it talks about why, because they're tired and and they're starving. So like nobody's comfortable. Also, there's going to be fear that is prompting reaction in this moment. We want to keep that in mind. In verse 20, they did murmur And also, my father began to murmur against the Lord, and they were exceedingly sorrowful, even that everyone started to murmur against the Lord. Okay, that is what um, it looks like from their perspective of what's happening. Nephi takes a different approach to the trial.
0: Well, and I would even say, and then if you add on the next one that comes, which is down in uh, 34, when Ishmael dies... Like, that's a legitimate trial. It's not like we're saying, like, hey, buck up, boys, you know, or anything, we're just like, oh, yeah. But what they do is they, like, maximize it, and, and they start looking back and saying, like, our, our life's actually never been good, you know? It's bad right now, and then they're like, and, and we're all probably gonna die. So they, like, make the past bad, the present bad, and the future bad, you know, which we all do, you know? Like, you know, you, you, you remember, in high school, you come home and you fail a, a math test, and you're just like i failed it and you're like i, I i've never been good at math actually <laughs> like you look to the past and you paint your past as horrible you're like i was always bad at it i'll probably fail it for the future i'll probably fall out of school never get a job live on the street you know and that's a it just kind of maximize this a little you know as and and we don't want to say again like hey get over it but look what nephi does this is what's neat in 17 uh, 1 through 3 <laughs> you just read his words and you're like you are not a Wait, real person you, go there,
1: you have to go you have to stay in 16.
0: Oh, okay. You have to go
1: back to 16 everyone 16 verse 22 um, Oh, yeah, 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 I love these few parts, and then you can jump to okay. that part yeah. Because in the midst of the trial, I love watching what he does The first thing it says is I did speak much to my brethren." Um, I Crossed out speak much in my scriptures. That's okay to do that sometimes and wrote encouraged I love that he's gonna be the encourager in this situation. And I love that his personality isn't just to shut down and start ignoring everyone. But he's like, okay, everybody, it's gonna be okay. He spoke much to his brethren because they were complaining. And then he gets to work. I made a bow out of wood. Like he looked at the situation and he became a problem solver. How can I help? Became his response. And probably he wasn't a maker of bows generally, but he looked at it and was like, I think I could figure this out. And he starts making a bow and he arms himself with a bow and a sling. And then what everyone else is complaining to the Lord, do you notice in verse 23 what he does? It says, I did turn to the Lord and I said to him, where should I go to find food? It's so interesting that you watch the exact opposite taking place for each of those um, boys. Boys, as they went through this trial. And then we love when you get to...
0: Yeah, and I was just thinking about a conversation I had with a, a new friend of mine this week, where sometimes you like life is filled with a bunch of things that you have questions about, that you're struggling through and worrying, and it can be so frustrating that you want to throw up your hands and you're like, I don't want to be the optimist right now. And thank goodness we don't all have trials at the same time, so there can be an encourager. But I, I like that Nephi asked the question, what's the next step? Instead of like trying to figure out how to solve everything, his question is, "Just will you teach me what the next step is? Um, because looking a mile down the road frustrates me to no end. I just need to know what is next. But also, you do love that he looks for the tender mercies of the Lord, like he says he's gonna do. And that actually encourages his heart. So we're not saying like, he's got rose-colored glasses, but when you look for tender mercies, something magical happens. You almost don't believe it. Seventeen, one through three, it says, it came to pass, we did take our journey in the wilderness and we did travel eastward and we did wade through much affliction in the wilderness. Wade is what you do in water and muck and mud, you know? It, it's just like, he's like, our afflictions were thick. Like we didn't like walk through puddles of it. We waded through it. And he says this, and our women did bear children in the wilderness. Like that is absurd. One time Jenny accidentally had one of our kids in the house and that was crazy (laughs) enough.
1: Okay, that's a story for another day. It was poor planning on her part.
0: (laughs) You know, well, it was poor planning on my part. You know, I was like, Jenny, you'll be fine. Um, (laughs) But I'm just kidding, y'all. She just, Jenny has this, uh, we won't get into that. Okay. (laughs) It was going to be a compliment, but like, like, that's a bad thing, you know, to bear children in the wilderness. Like, I, where, where, were, where were they, like on a rock? Yeah. Like, you know, under, a, under a, a cactus or something, I don't know. But look what his next line is after that. My wife just had a baby in the desert. And then he says, and so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us. And you're like, that's not the next line that you say. And then it gets worse. He says, while well, we did live upon raw meat in the wilderness. Like he's calling that a blessing, that we had raw meat. And you're like, that's not a blessing. Unless you like sushi, right? Um, and there's like, our women did nurse their children, and then they were strong like unto the men. Um, brethren, that's not a compliment in 2020. <laughs> so like, don't put that in the Valentine's cards, you know? It's like, what a blessing. My wife was strong like a man, you know? <laughs> like, it just was a compliment in 600 BC. Um, but what he sees is, he says, it came to pass that as we kept the commandments of God, he did nourish us and strengthen us and provided means. He saw the blessing in the middle of um, all, all of the affliction. Like he saw like, wow, I'm so thankful that God gave my wife strength to be able to make it through such a a horrible experience. I'm glad he provided us something, you know, to eat. And and he just saw the tender mercies in the experience and that encouraged his heart
1: it's so interesting because when you read laman and lemuel's point of view actually comes in that same chapter a little bit farther down it's in first nephi 17 verse 21 is where you want to look and this is what they say they're doing the same thing as nephi right Nephi's looking at that whole situation and saying we and we were so blessed and laman and lemuel say behold these many years we have suffered in the wilderness which time We might have enjoyed our possessions and the land of our inheritance, yay, and we might have been happy. It's just so interesting. It's the same trial. It's the same wilderness. It's the same family suffering the same experience. But so interesting the difference between maximizing and minimizing a situation and allowing yourself to look for the Lord rather than murmur against the Lord. There are powerful lessons.
0: Yeah, and maybe we should point out this verse right here, the uh, 2010, which is maybe one other tip for in the middle of journeys. Um, This is quoting from Isaiah, but it's such a neat verse. It says, for behold, this is the Lord speaking, I have refined thee, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. And having that perspective helps us to like get through those middle moments also to say like, okay, not like why did you do this to me or why is it like this? But Lord... What, what do you want me to do next, and what do you want me to learn? Um, refine me in this, change me you know, in this, instead of take this away. There's just a, mm-hmm. such a little change, but it seems to make a big difference.
1: I think it's important to know too, that the breaking of the bow was not the only bad thing that happens in the wilderness. Right after that, in the same chapter, we're going to get to another situation where it's going to either lead people to question, or to cling more to the lord because they get to this place where the only way to cross it is a boat do you remember this part of the story and just as we get into this part of the story we're 17 chapters into the book of mormon right now everyone and so far the entire book of mormon has been about nephi so we kind of know a lot about nephi from nephi's point of view i want you to think of everything that you've read so far does it say anywhere that Nephi is a shipbuilder? That that was his trade? Do we know anything about Nephi using tools? Um, like there's nothing that mentions that he f- might know something about making a craft that is watertight enough to put an entire family into and then go to a place they've never been before. He's, he's also not a ship driver, right? They, they're They're... Journey has not been on water ever. So as we get into this part and you start thinking about this, and we think about Layman and Lemuel as we're going through this part, I want you to think to yourself, if your brother came to you right now and was like, listen, for our family vacation this year, this is what we are going to do. We are going to build our own boat, and then we are going to take it to California, and we are going to launch out off of Pacific Beach in San Diego. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know how long it will take, so get work off. And um, <laughs> I'll make the tools. You guys, don't worry about stopping at Home Depot. I will I will make the tools. Who's gonna agree to that vacation? I just wanna know. H- how many of you are like, yeah, I'm in? Right?
0: Kiss- Especially when he says, and God will take us. And you're like, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you see the problem here? Like we look at Lemuel and Lemuel and we're like, get in the boat and start building. And in reality, how many of you would be like, this is not a good idea. I'll tell you right now, you don't know how to build boats.
0: Are you telling me that?
1: You don't.
0: Oh, I know I don't. This is today. I was, I was like, what? I, you don't know? Okay, but, yeah. but this is true. I was driving up here, you know, this morning thinking about that. Like, I, 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 like honestly, I don't even know. Like, the last time I cussed was making a Pinewood Derby car. <laughs> so, I, like, I, there's no way. Like, I was like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> they don't even have Home Depot or. Yes. Nothing.
1: Yeah. So we are going to get into this part of the story. Okay. That's how we want you thinking about it as we get in. This is your brother, and he's planning your next family vacation, and he's in charge of the transportation. Okay. Go into it with those eyes on, and it's so interesting to watch what happens here. Do you want to talk about the paper? The yep. three awesome things. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? I do not know it's on this. Oh,
1: no, it, it's, it's not.
0: not. Okay. Okay, so on the, on the study guide paper, there's a, a cute boat and there's one, two, three things that we kind of see as how God guides Nephi through this experience. So starting in verse 7, um, the first thing is he says, Arise and get thee into the mountain. Uh, we know that mountains kind of served as temples, as holy places in, in ancient times, as places that were elevated and separated um, where just go to uh, your mountain, to your place where God can speak to you where you can think, wherever that might be, and that is what he does first, is he goes up into the mountain and he cries unto the Lord. Um, The second thing is that the Lord shows him the manner in which he will construct the ship. It's the Lord who kind of lays out, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do it the way I'm going to show you. Uh, This seems to be a lesson in trust. Uh, which is a synonym for faith. Let me show you what that next step is. And then and, and let's ahead. just
1: pause on this part because this part, again, seems like, well, of course, we trust Nephi, we trust Nephi's relationship with the Lord. Of course he knows what to do. But I want you to think, have you ever been in a situation where the Lord has shown you something and in your mind you're like, yeah, this is a good idea. This makes sense for our family or for the workplace or for the problem that I'm in. And then you go to the people in your family and you're like, okay, This is the impression that I've had. This is the feelings that I feel. And you start trying to explain it to the people and right off the bat, they're like, no, 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 that is not gonna work, right? That's, no, that, you can't do it like that. I won't do it, right? That in your mind, you have to be like, okay, let me try and tell you again the picture the Lord showed me. He wasn't showing them architectural plans. He he didn't have something on paper. He wasn't following a YouTube video. He had seen a picture in his mind that he was trying to recreate for his brothers and his dad and everyone else to follow. And imagine how many conversations he had to keep saying here, okay, this is what it looked like in my head. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Can you imagine how hard that would have been to follow that process as you went through? Yeah,
0: maybe that second thing really is to have a vision. You remember in the Proverbs it says, where there, where there is no vision, the people perish but to see kind of like that end Mm -hmm. promised land to see something and then the next thing right after is kind of like okay then uh then where should i get some tools or where do i get Get the ore ore, which is so interesting because
1: don't don't you think you would have been like okay give me the tools you love that nephi's like not only do i have to build a ship but i have to somehow make tools That are capable of building a ship. And you love that he just starts at the very first thing like what you were talking about. What's the next step? And the next step is ore. And the next step after that is building a fire. And after that, it's figuring out how to make tools capable of the next step which is building the boat. And it's so interesting that it is piece by piece. Yeah.
0: So, it's awesome that at the beginning, he's like, let me show you this vision. Let me see this possible. And then it comes down to like just the messy, journey there I, I mean we see that in our own lives i think we see that i think if we had president nelson in here he would say the same thing about It's like
1: mm-hmm. god has
0: given me a vision and now my question right now is where is the ore and we're like i know how are we going to get there yeah. where's like, the
1: promised land is what like, we want to know and, I, he's, and like, he's like
0: i don't I'm know where the ore oil. is i'm trying to get the ore right now and yeah. and it just seems it's so helpful to see instruction like that in scripture that yeah. it's like oh That's kind of what maybe I should expect in my journey also.
1: I think it is so interesting to watch what happens in this building process because what we're gonna identify that becomes super important in this process of revelation and working things out and taking the next right step is that there is work that is specific to Nephi and then there are some things that are specific to the Lord. And so you want to make a note to go back and read in first Nephi 17 starting in verse eight And going through verse 17, you want to circle all of the I's, the letter I in there. In mine, when I did it, I did it two ways. I circled in red all of the things that were going to become Nephi's responsibility. And I circled in yellow all of the things that were going to become the Lord's responsibility. So I'm just going to show this on the camera. And then when you guys go home and watch, you'll be able to see it too. But if you look you can see my red circles and my yellow circles there and let's just point out a couple of those so Nephi said I will find ore and I will make the tools and um, I blew the fire and I made the bellows um, and I smote the two stones together so I could make the fire and then you love when the Lord steps in and he says okay good Nephi you do all of that that's your job And then the Lord says, starting in verse 12, I will make your food become sweet. I will be your light in the wilderness. Which makes every
0: mom happy in the world.
1: When the Lord came
0: in and said, and I will do dinner. And she's like, then I'll do everything else. I don't even care if you do dinner.
1: Um, I will prepare the way before you. You will know that it is by me. Go ahead and circle that me because it's so good that you are led. Um, and I, the Lord, am God, I will deliver you from destruction, and I will. I brought you out of the land of Jerusalem. And then it goes back to Nephi's job, okay? Then I will strive to keep the commandments of the Lord, and I will encourage my brethren to be faithful and diligent. And um, then it gets to the point where he says, and then I was about to build the ship. And now we're going to go into an entirely different lesson. What is going to happen now? Because we're going to watch... What do Laban and Lemuel do in the process, right? Nevi said, here's what I'll do. The Lord says, okay, here's what I'll do. And then we're going to watch, what do Laban and Lemuel do in that moment? And they start in verse 18. It talks about they complained, they didn't want to labor, they didn't believe what was happening, their hearts were hard. And you love in verse 19, any of you who have teenage boys who are close in age to each other, because how many times have you heard this in your house? Uh, We knew you were lacking in judgment. Right? Or in other words, you're so stupid, right? How many times do you hear that in your house that you look back stupid. and you're like, we didn't get a That was my anymore. line. Yeah, that so we, we don't, don't say, say stupid, stupid. Mm-hmm. in our house. Um, and they say to him at the end of verse 19, you can't accomplish this great work. Um, which becomes a really pivotal moment in this story. And it is one of our favorite parts of this story.
0: Yeah, and I think what's kind of hard about it for me when I read that is, when I put myself into um, Nephi's shoes or sandals, I think to myself like, maybe he's already kind of doubting himself a little bit. And then to have these people come in and say, you can't do this. This isn't something that you can do. And oh, man, that just, It's so easy to put him into a faith tailspin. I'm just like, maybe I can't. Maybe this is not something that I can do. So it's awesome what he does next. Yeah, because because how
1: many of us have been in that situation? How many times have you gotten to a place where you're already doubting yourself and then as soon as someone else voices the doubt that's in your head, what is the right thing to do in that moment? And I love what you're about to point out. Yeah, but... We should do what Nephi does. Yeah,
0: and I was even thinking like sometimes we're like... Sometimes God gives me a vision, I think, for our family, like where I can glimpse it and see, like, oh, there is something really neat that can happen here. And then I go into the next day and it just looks disastrous and it just is like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like the kids go say, to bed and I'm like, I say can't do this. I, You say your vision and your kids know. are
1: like, no. Yeah, but you know, everything. That. I just is yeah. like,
0: there's so much here that's, re- that's relatable and whatever... Um, It is whatever, you know, mission or ministry God's given to us. You know, that Mm -hmm. it's just... But it's awesome what he does because Laman and Lemuel say to him, we knew that you couldn't do it. But if you go all the way down... Well, start um, at
1: 23 because it's so good. Because I love that he starts at the very beginning and he says this. Do you believe that our fathers who were the children of Israel would have been led away out of the hands of the Egyptians if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? And I love that he's like, what is the first thing he does? I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to go to something you are already familiar with. And I'm just going to ask you, because we know how that story ends, right? We know what, how that story turns out. Um, well, what would have happened to those people, right? And everyone in his family is like, oh, yeah, we know that story. And we saw how they turned to the Lord. And we know what happened because of that. And, and we know what's going to happen for Nephi, right? We know the boat's going to make it, and they're going to get to the promised land. But they don't know that's going to happen. So I love it goes to the scripture that is comfortable and becomes a protection scripture for them. And then go to that. Well, and what if,
0: and what if the children of Israel had like retreated when they got to the shores of the Red Sea? What if they're like, you're right, this is impossible. We can't do it. They never would have experienced the miracle that they got to experience. A miracle that carried um, the children of Israel for generations. I mean, it was so magnificent and spectacular. And you think, you're just right on the shores of a miracle. So don't retreat. Um, and, and he's trying to get them. He says, here we are again, literally on the shores of a great miracle. Yeah. Um, and I love,
1: um, too, as we get into 26, when he's, he sits him down and he's like, okay, there's three you know things right there where he says to them, you know Moses was commanded of the Lord to do that great work. And I love that that's where he starts because you remember what they told him, you you cannot do this great work. And he uses those two words which we are going to see through all of scripture. You know God commanded Moses to do that great work and you know the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea and you also know how Moses smote the rock and water came out. He starts going through all of these anchor point moments. You know This is true, and he's gonna lead them so carefully down this line of reasoning that is so powerful.
0: Okay, and then he gets this awesome, like almost climactic verse, um, starting kind of in 50 and 51. He says, if God commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me, I should say to this water, be earth, it would be earth. If I should say it, it would be done. How does he know that? Because he knows Moses' story. And he knows what, he, what he's seen even weeks before. Mm-hmm. But then 51, he says, If the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it he cannot instruct me that I should build this ship? If this is who God really is, if he's done all of these great things uh, for the people of the past, why wouldn't he do these great things for us? And you remember at the beginning, that's kind of been like the the theme that we want to look at throughout the whole Book of Mormon. What are the great things that God has done in the past? What are the great things he's done in your past? Mm -hmm. And let that be a, 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 a motivator. Let that be an encouragement to not retreat.
1: As you study great things, I'm going to give you a list of verses you might want to go to just as you're thinking about the great things. Um, in 1 Nephi 7, 11, um, in 1 Nephi 17, verse 19, and then right here where we are in verse um, 50 and 51. Um, also, you want to look at verse 26 in that same chapter, 2 Nephi 4, 25 through 26, and Ether 4. And then I, I'm going to give you a lot of references there. I'll put them in the newsletter, but 4, 8, 11, through 14 is what they're gonna be. All of these will be in the newsletter. You can just start keeping record of these great things as we're going through um, this book. I love as we think about this, um, I had the opportunity, I was um, doing house shopping a little while ago and I came across a sign. I am a lover of words. I don't know if you know that about me, but if you come in my house, there are things with words all over my house because I love words. I love the power of little, um, short statements that just encourage. And I saw a sign that said, There will be miracles. And right when I bought it, I was like, Oh, I have to hang that in my house. And so I bought the sign and I took it home. And, and I loved that thought of just watching for these miracles. And I just barely got it and I barely hung it up yesterday. So I've been thinking about it. And it made me think back to a story a long time ago in Colorado where we had been helping Garrett find his house and as we went through the process of locating that house there were all of these little details have you ever had one of those moments where just one thing happens and then something else happens and then something else happens and and everything that just you can see the lord just orchestrating every one of those moments and david had texted me and was like how is it going and what's happening and i had texted back and said you are not going to believe everything that happened from one woman mentioning something in an institute class And then sending me a family picture of someone who lived in Colorado that we should maybe meet and putting the name at the bottom and sitting in the sacrament meeting and praying about where they should go and pulling that picture out and having Garrett look over on my lap and say hey mom that man is the guy who's speaking in church right now and I'm like no 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 I got this at Institute in Salt Lake this is not the same people and he's like no mom I'm certain look at the program the name of that man on the paper is the name of the man speaking in sacrament meeting and walking up to that man after and saying to him, we're looking at a house. Do you know this neighborhood? Do you know this house? And it's in that man's backyard, okay? What are the odds of that happening, right? That, that is a great thing. You couldn't have even planned that. And I'm trying to text it to him, and he sends back to me this one text that says, you know you live in a realm of miracles, right? And I thought, my answer back was, we all do, right? We all live in that place. And I hung up that sign yesterday and I was thinking about the fact that we really do just live in a realm of miracles. We live in a place where great things happen. And then I left my house last night and I walked around the block to my backyard neighbor, who is my good friend, Chris Belcher, who I have told all of you a lot about. And they received um, a diagnosis last week at the doctor that the cancer has returned, and they're not going to fight the cancer this time. And they had just received the news, and I hadn't talked to her since I walked over there, and I, I made that journey from my house over. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking about the sign I had just hung up in my house, because sometimes we want to think there will be miracles, and we want to be Nephi, who built the ship and took his entire family together to a promised land. And we want that story. That's the story we want. And as I was thinking about that, as I walked over, I thought to myself, where are the miracles going to be in this story? What's that going to look like in this story? And as I walked up to her door, she also has a no-knock policy at her house. We are the same kind of friends. Um, So I opened the door and right before I opened the door, I just said that phrase in my head, there will be miracles. And I'm gonna keep my eyes open to them as I go into this. And I walked in and blaring through the sound system on their house, she loves listening to music because she can't see. Um, And so she spends a lot of time listening to music. Um, Was the song, I don't know how many of you have heard, um, I Can Only Imagine, do you know the song? Um, that talks about when you will see Jesus again. And it talks about what will I do? Will I, help me remember the words. Will will I dance for you, Jesus? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. Will I fall to my knees? Um, It just talks about that moment, and it's a very joyous song. And I walked into that room, and she didn't know I was there because it was so loud. She couldn't have heard me come in. And I just sat in the doorway for a minute, and I looked at her listening to that song and i thought to myself for some people the miracle is jesus and that is true for her because very soon she will be with him and she'll get to have that i can only imagine moment and it will be so sweet for her miraculous and so happy Much happier for her than it it will be for us. This process will be. But I think as we look at these middle moments, we have to remember sometimes we're going to reach the promised land with our whole family. And sometimes the miracle is going to be painful. And that's what's going to happen. But the Lord is going to be with us in those middle moments no matter what our miracle looks like. And we are gonna experience great things. And we are gonna experience holy moments. Um, You've heard us talk about, we talked about on here, um, that Chris, as she's been going through this really painful journey, and at one moment, when the pain was so great, she said, I just, I have to hold on to holy things right now to get me through. And so she started calling people to ask for what was their one holy thing. And both on our Instagram at Don't Miss This Study and also on the LDS Living Instagram, um, their LDS Living podcast, we will put a link for you. Um, We are capturing this one holy thing, whatever it is, for people. And it was so cute because last night um, we had this sweet opportunity and very painful to talk about Chris's funeral with her and, and what that might look like and what she hoped it would be. And her husband said the most powerful part of this journey for us has been those holy things. And is there any way you can sit down and write down what everybody has written in because that's what I want at the funeral. is just a wall of those holy things. So if you have not done that yet, we will give you two links. Colin, what's the LDS Living link?
0: It's the all-in, all-in po- all
1: dot podcast, all in dot podcast um, is sharing. where you want to go on Instagram, and you'll see it just tells you what is your one holy thing, or you can find it on our at don't miss this. I'm tagging you as well. Okay, and he'll tag us, so we'll put it up um, this week. We'll put it up today, but then we'll remember to put it up the week this goes live again. For those of you who are watching, we would love to just capture your one. Holy thing, it's a sweet, I thought it was a sweet experience when I thought of mine. Um, and you had the same experience yeah. of just sitting and processing what is the holy thing? What is the great thing? And as we were looking at that wall yesterday, I was with a couple other friends. And one of the ladies looked up at the wall and she said, cause there's a whole bunch of yellow sticky notes on the wall of Chris's house. And she said, can you imagine that every one of those holy things has a story? behind it and I thought oh that is so powerful to think about Um, we're gonna watch that in the Book of Mormon we're gonna watch that in our own lives as you start capturing these great things these holy moments the power that comes
0: yeah and we love this phrase that's what we call this in the scriptures is brave trust it's what Nephi has in God but it's neat to see that he gets that by looking to other people Uh, that Moses becomes like his person that gives him bravery it gives them the motivation to trust God. And those sticky notes are what are giving Chris bravery right now in her life. And, and we all can be that together. God put us all together on this earth to take this journey, not by ourselves, but as we encourage each other through this. And, 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 and it helps us to not retreat in, in those moments. Um, this is one of the neat things we like. When you get to the shore of one of those places, um, In this story, the Lord invites Nephi to do something he's never done before in order to take him to a place that he's never been before. And God does that with us too. He might be inviting you right now to do something you've never done before, but that's because he plans on taking you to a place that you've never been before. And and we can learn how to make it through that, how to have brave trust. Um, Nephi says in 18.3, I did go to the mountain often, and prayed often unto the Lord. And the Lord showed me the great things. And that's how he that's how he did it. That's how he made it through. So,
1: so good. There are so many powerful things in these pages, particularly if you are in a middle moment. If you're in the middle of the journey, then you want to spend some time here. And you want to take notes, and you want to look at what is the inspiration from the Spirit that comes directly to you as you're going through these pages.
0: And then read the end of that 18 too. Make sure that's part of it also that you get that vision of when they do land on the beach. Yes. I couldn't help but think of that when you're talking about Chris and that. I can only imagine that there is a moment, there will be a moment in everyone's story where you arrive in the promised land. That is a part of uh, your story also. Yeah,
1: so good. Okay, Okay. we'll see you next week everybody.
0: This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at Don't Miss This and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.